Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. I'm a little bit self-conscious recording this intro. So a little background. My wife is a high school English teacher, and uh, she's home for the summers. I I try to usually wait until I'm actually alone in the house to record these. I don't know why I'm so self-conscious. Just a little bit of insight into uh, how this thing is recorded and the weird stuff that goes through my head in order to bring it to you. Needless to say, if I'm a little quieter, I apologize, or my enthusiasm is a little bit lower, it's because I'm measured. I don't want to be yelling, because then my wife would be like, hey, are you okay down there? And I'm like, yeah, it's just me recording my intro. I'm sorry. Insecurities aside, the guest this week is Mr. Brandon Chapetti. He is a vocalist for now defunct band Bleeding Through. He's basically been a large, looming figure within the Orange County music hardcore scene as it were especially between the bands that he played in with bleeding through and throwdown and 18 visions like or has some connection to it's pretty crazy and then now he owns a very successful gym more on him in a minute that's my nice little tease but uh, let's get some uh, some business out of the way for those of you that have been donating to the show i appreciate it so much it's cool when it seems to be that internationally people are donating 
So I, maybe it's just this this concept of, uh, oh, yeah, I'm used to giving money to cool stuff. Maybe that's more pervasive over there. I don't know. But regardless, Kimo from Finland, thank you so much for your donation. I really appreciate it. Shout out to, I don't know if it's him or her. Isn't that sad that I, I don't know? I, I never asked. So, uh, but yeah, I really appreciate the donation. Appreciate the comments as well. And if you want to leave a comment from the iTunes store, go there, type in 100 words podcast, type in some words, type in some sentences, hopefully, that are cohesive. And then, uh, yeah, leave some stars because it legitimizes the show. I really appreciate it if you do that. And one and only Carol, thank you very much to you, whoever you may be, said something cool. Said, it. this show can provide insight and advice for those wanting to work in the industry someday. Love it. That's great. I have been thinking of doing a sort of bonus episode in regards to, uh, you know, maybe just kind of sitting down with uh, one of my friends who also is working in the music industry, uh, kind of what I, I do already, except more specifically focus on the business side of things. Because, I mean, even though there's a lot of podcasts that are kind of popping up that are speaking more specifically about, you know, what it's like to tour, be in a band, all that other stuff. Um, I think that uh, there's some there's some conversations that are are, are not being had out there. So. I'm just I'm toying around with it. So if you think I should do it, email me 100 words podcast at gmail.com because I, I don't want to do it if you're not going to listen to it. That's ultimately, you know, I get that feedback. I get that rush from, from speaking to you, the listener. So thank you very much for that nice comment. Visit Property of Zach, our awesome media partners, propertyofzach.com and visit the show's website. I've been updating the website uh, as far as features and you can sign up to a mailing list and there's a bunch of fun stuff on there now. So if you haven't visited in a long time, visit there, 100wordspodcast.com. And like I said, email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Before I spoke about Brandon, I wanted to speak about something specifically relating to a medium of music that I absolutely worship, which is vinyl. So recently some stats came out in regards to, I, I think it's, this year's sales, so this year being 2014, um, saying that, you know, uh, vinyl sales have been on the rise for the past like five to six years. It's, you know, it's the only growth industry besides digital in in the music world. And even digital has kind of plateaued. And so I, I'm kind of, it's this weird sort of bittersweet thing where I hear the sales numbers continue to rise and more people are showing interest in this format. And it's awesome because obviously it shows a certain level of dedication and interest to something that's a little bit larger than just a pixel on a screen and um, that tangibility that obviously vinyl provides. But the the sort of devil's advocate that game that I play with myself is the fact that it, it scares me. It straight up scares me because the more people that are, and when I say people, the more business stuff that starts to influence why people create vinyl. Like I look at you know, a great record that I purchased recently from a band called Mastodon. They're on a major label. They're on reprise records. And, you know, for a double LP, I paid close to $40 for that. And realistically, I mean, I know the price personally of how much this costs to manufacture. So it's one of those things that I look at that and I'm like, man, that's indie labels charge maybe 25 bucks at the most. And granted, this is a store. So of course, prices are a little inflated because it's passing through so many hands. But yeah, basically, I just I worried that this format will be priced out of relevance now in the same fashion as CDs was. Because I mean, you remember, for those of you that existed when CDs first started to hit the markets, you know, they were like 17 to 20 bucks. And then it started to kind of wane where the price just got too expensive and people were kind of fed up paying those prices. And I think that 
is something that can happen to vinyl eventually and then really, really kill and hurt the format. That's my concern. Uh, tell, tell me if you think I'm crazy. I just, I, I'm, I'm trepidatious. I'm fearful for the constant increase in, in sales and vinyl. And then plus, we're also going to get really, really stupid releases. Like stuff that's like, I look at Record Store Day and I look at like the titles that get released in regards to, oh, here's a, you know, disturbed 12 inch. How many people are actually buying a disturbed 12 inch? How many people are buying these, these bands that I look at and I'm like, dude, in a year, you're going to look in like the used bins across America and you're going to find so many copies of that, that people aren't going to know what to do with. And so I just always wonder where it's like, why you totally see dudes in a room being like, Oh, record store day. That's a thing, right? What, what bands do we have? Oh yeah. Let's go ahead and do a, a disturbed 12 inch. I'm not picking on them specifically, but that's just the first thing that comes to my mind. So yeah, I just, those are my worries. So yeah. Hopefully vinyl will will stay in that nice, sweet medium of being awesome to collect, but not too pricey that major labels feel like they need to put all of their resources in. Because, I mean, I'm not faulting them. They're making money, and they, they that's, that is their right to do so. But um, yeah, anyways, Brandon Chipetti, rant is over. Here we go. Now we're moving into the, the, the part that you tuned in to listen to. <laughs> so Brandon Chipetti. I have known him for years and years and years. He was kind of my one of my first entry points to people, uh, to the scene, so to speak. You know, I was going to shows at the time, and I started playing in bands and was meeting people, but it was one of those things I'd always looked up to Brandon and his bands and was like, they're doing such cool things, and, you know, he's a year or two older than me, and I felt like he was close, but not to the point of where we actually met each other. So I'll tell the story in an actual interview of how we met, but, um, yeah, he was able to do many, many amazing things with uh, his bands and obviously everything that he's done that is well-documented within that, that context. But many people don't know that he does an awesome gym here in Orange County and fitness has been part of his life for a long time. So we talk about that towards the end and he owns his own gym and he's been building that from scratch for the past four or five years. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Brandon and I will talk to you afterwards. <laughs> So I'm going to take you back. I'm going right. to see if you remember this. Okay. I have a feeling you may, you may. Okay. So here's you, probably 1996, 97 maybe, okay. maybe a little before that. You're working at Smoothie King. Yes. So I was working at that Blockbuster video. Yes. And I remember, I, I can't remember if either you came into Blockbuster or I came into Smoothie King, but basically you were like, we, we, we made a recognition where you were just like, are you? do you drive that Volvo that has all those hardcore stickers? Yeah. And then I was like, at, at that time, I was like, I had just seen you playing yeah. some show and I was just like, oh my God. Like, I totally went in that like... How glamorous you were to do the game. But it's funny because <laughs> yeah. my brain didn't even work. I was just like, holy shit, like, that's bread. Oh my God. Like, you go into that because you just don't, you're not used to seeing people outside the context in which you see them. For sure. So I immediately went into that. Oh my gosh. But then you were obviously a normal human and yeah. cool. And so I was like, oh. And then I remember... You, I remember we hung out and you, I discovered at the gates via you. Oh yeah, for sure. Where that you were like, playing. That was like my, in my car, in my everything all day long. You play, yeah, you played yeah. Slaughter, Slaughter of the Soul. Slaughter of the Soul is the fucking shit, man. It's so good. And I just remember being like, wow, like I, at that time I'd never heard yeah. that because I was just getting into stuff like that. But it was just like, it was one of those things where it was like, I was really grateful that you were nice because it's one of those things where it's like, 
you're always scared when, I mean, especially like you never know what your actions will do to other people. For sure. Especially when you're first like getting into some sort of music scene or some sort of subculture. Yeah. Where it's like if you're either standoffish or weird or what, I mean, not even weird, but just like you have some level of negative interaction. That person may not like dive into that deeper. Yeah, for sure. No, you know? I get it. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there are people that like you, you either looked up to that you started to interact with, like, you know, who, who was that to you where you were just kind of well, like, honestly, I was so afraid to leap to meet like Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig, you know what I mean? Like to yeah. people I look up to, I mean, it's definitely a, a larger scale, but yeah, like I remember like when I first met, saw Henry Rollins at a place called Paquito Moss, like it's a Mexican restaurant in, in like Hollywood area. Right. And he walks in and I'm like, holy fucking shit, that's Henry Rollins, right? And I'm like, there's no way I'm not going to like not say anything. So I totally chicken out, right? And I'm right. just like sitting there and I'm like, I'm not going to fucking say anything. I feel like a fucking turd. And I'm like, well, and you're also rolling those conversations in your mind. Like, totally. Like, this is the I best even, entry point. Right? I don't even open up the conversation of like, hey, Henry Rollins, man, you're like my fucking idol. Like, right. You know what I mean? So. We're sitting, I'm sitting there with like a friend for like 20 minutes and he's sitting there eating by himself and, and he gets up and he's like, has his tray and he's getting up to throw his tray away. And I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I lost, I fucking, I I fucked up. I didn't say anything, (laughs) but he comes right over me and he looks at like my misfits tattoo and he goes, so I like your tattoo, man. And I'm like, Hey, fuck yeah, man. Misfits. Right. And then he's like, hey, I got, you know, I got a few. I'm all cool. And he's like, showed me his misfit tattoos. And I'm like, this is kind of weird because I've always heard that he was very like, never talked about his tattoos. Sure. Very like, you know, very guarded with like his whole, like just anything. Right. Like, not very one of these people that's going to come up to you and talk to you about anything. He'll share, he'll share his experiences, but like you definitely don't, you, you feel like he just reveals parts of himself. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, so yeah. he came up and he's like, nice tattoo. Here's my tattoo. And I'm like, cool, man. I'm like, I'm yeah. He's like, hey, I'm Hank. I'm all cool. Like, he himself as Hank, which is funny. <laughs> You're like, what? And I'm like, wait, this is the wrong person. <laughs> but, uh, and he was super cool. We talked, for, honestly, for like five minutes. Yeah, but He's still. like, right? yeah, I'm just like, well, you know, I know, I, like I said to him, like, you know, I know who you are. Like, I've, you know, followed, like, your work, like, your, your career for as long as I've been into, like, any sort of alternative, like, lifestyle as far as, like, music and, right. you know, art literature and stuff like that so I'm like yeah I just really respect what you've done so I got I went away from that experience to be like thank god that dude was like a real dude because if he was a douchebag it would have just sucked right totally so the weirdest thing is ever is when the second time I had an interaction with him was backstage at Warp Tour okay really strange yeah. He did a couple Warp Tour shows as with Rollins that's band, right I remember and that. it was like you know not really his thing mm-hmm. And from what I understood from the bands that were on Warped Tour that year was he wasn't around until, like, basically he got a fucking cab to the venue, went on stage, and, like, bailed. So the day that I was at Warped Tour visiting, I can't even remember which band I was visiting, hanging out with, he was was fucking backstage. Right. And so I'm like, you know, I'm not even going to be that dude. Like, hey, man, remember me? I, You know, because even when it happens to me, it's like, even if I have, like, a straight hour-long conversation with somebody, I'm not going to always remember, like, what... Right. Remember that person. It's and hard. then I'll feel yeah. like a fucking complete douchebag. Right. So I'm walking by him and I'm like, I'm not going to go say that. And so I'm just going to see if I can make eye contact and give him like a sup, yeah. sup, up? Not, right. you know? And he looks at me, he's all, Misfits tattoo. And I'm all, yeah. And he's like, I met you at Paquito Moss. Your name's close. so close. I'm like, I even said, I'm like, that's so close. My name's Brandon. And he's like, oh, 
It's like, fuck, I thought I nailed it. Yeah, yeah. And it was so rad because I'm like, at least he fucking remembered, which was yeah. super weird. And it was like, it was strange because when I met him, I had a mohawk. And then this next time I had no mohawk. And, right. You know, yeah, there was a lot of... It was a little bit different. Right, right. It was really cool. So it was kind of like a similar type thing. The other thing was the Danzig thing. Yeah. I interviewed Danzig for Revolver Magazine like years ago. And I was so nervous that he was going to be an asshole because all I heard was... Who does is an asshole, right? Right, right? But I was like, you know what? People have said that about me, and I don't really feel like I'm an asshole. Just maybe people met me in a different. Totally, they hit you the wrong day, wrong whatever. day, right. wrong whatever. So I interviewed Glenn Danzig, and he was fucking awesome. That's great. And another thing, like when I went to go see Danzig play with, like, I think it was like Pennywise, and it was like the Affliction. Oh yeah, yeah, thing. yeah! I remember that. So yeah. he headlined at, at Long Beach Arena, and I'm sitting, or and I'm sitting there backstage, and. He rolls up in this van and, you know, security, like, parts the Red Sea so he can walk in. Sure. And he fucking comes out of this van, and the van's great because it's like a total rapist van. <laughs> his van comes up, and he and he walks out, and he, like, looks right at me, and I'm like, uh, okay. Like, when Tangs is looking at me, right. and he comes up, he's like, Brandon, what's up? I'm going to go get ready to play. And I'm like, that was it. I'm like, that's fucking weird. And all my friends are standing around me, <laughs> and I feel so fucking cool. I'm like... Glenn Danzig doesn't give a shit about anybody here, but he fucking beelined it straight for me, say what's up, right? getting ready for the show. And I'm like, that's sick. You're like, that feels great. That's cool. Yeah. Those, so those two instances <clears throat> where I was backstage places and Henry Rollins and, and Glenn Danzig saw me and spotted me, that was probably the two highlights of my life. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> You're like, everything else is Everything is else second. is fine. Right. <laughs> 15-year band career and all that kind of shit. Like, it's... Irrelevant. It's irrelevant. The fact that, like, those two dudes, like, kind of remembered me, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's... Yeah, it's definitely that That's sort of, like, when you just realize that those other people that are creating stuff are, like, human. That's yeah, when it's, sure. like... And that's all it was. Exactly. Because, you know, that whole element of them being, like, a normal guy. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's... Yeah, it's so hard to think of, of people that you respect... At, from that perspective, as yeah, the, the, they're going to the grocery store. Well, and that's the funny thing too. It's like once you see them in that light, you could see them as, hey, this person on Sunday is probably barbecues and watches football. Precisely. You know what I mean? Totally. So you're thinking about it, and you're like, they're doing that's real weird, right. <laughs> real shit. You know? Yeah, totally. Because you just you oh that, that's so glamorous. They're probably yeah. someone. No, they're just they're yeah. existing in the same planet we are. Exactly. Um, You've uh, you've always struck me too. The uh, this is another overviewing or overarching theme that I've seen throughout your life. Just because I mean, since I've known you for yeah. fifteen you plus for years, you are uh, you're an extremely intense individual. Kind of how you were saying earlier, how people obviously may peg you as like, oh, Brian's kind of an asshole. It's like, kind of high strung or you know, kind right. of, or uptight and stuff like that. Yeah, right. totally. <laughs> right, you get it. And then and then obviously on that, you've always been very open about like your depression and the stuff for that sure. you've suffered. Uh, or, you know, that you could probably still battle with in some oh, yeah. capacities. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you think both of those things that people, people probably project that you either shouldn't or can't be depressed because of like what you've experienced in your totally. life? Totally. Like, you know, nothing should be wrong with you. You look like you have like your life together. And, sure. You know, yeah, it's the, it's the sort of thing where like, you know, everybody that, you know, whether people like to admit it or not, people when they get up on that stage and they play shows they have a little bit of a God complex. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether you're playing a, a show in a fucking bookstore or a record store in front of 20 people or yeah. you're playing like a festival in Europe in front of 60,000 people. There's a certain element of like, fuck, you know, I'm on this stage and, you know... I'm empowered. Totally. And, yeah, yeah. And of course you try to portray that to people as well. Uh-huh. So I think people try to like kind of put you like in that spot where, you, you know, they see you as something that's like you know, larger than, than life to them, or maybe like 
an empowered position of being like on this podium, basically right, right. having a microphone, having like a podium, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, why would that person be depressed? Like they're on that stage, like fucking having the time of their life, which is, I am having the time of my life, but you look at a lot of artists, you know, whether it be like literature and, or, mm-hmm. you know, painting and, or anything like that, or like music or any sort of like any creative, any art. creative art. Yeah. Okay? A lot of times the muse of those creative people is, due to depression sure you're not fitting in you know right. what I mean feeling like alienated from like the normal society and this and that so for me my muse was complete heartbreak and mm-hmm. I've never been like candid with of like you know straying away from that um, it's always been about that for me like music music to me I think was a way for me to deal with my issues and I never even knew that I really had any like issues until I really acknowledged it through like my life you know what I mean and, and it's every day I, I start to realize other things and it's like god man I'm really fucked you know what I sure. mean but you know music was my escape and so for me it's like I was trying to use my music as like an escape from my life as well and, mm-hmm. and, and I always wanted Bleeding Through to be a band to where someone would be like you know I was going through a rough time and Bleeding Through helped me because there's so many bands that I through my life that were like that band to me, you mm-hmm. know? I just find it because I, I found it always so interesting that people, like I said, um, especially look at you where it's like, okay, you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're from Orange County and this can yeah, be applied yeah. to almost anybody totally. that played in our scene, but it's like, yeah, you're a white dude from Orange County. You, you know, you, you, you come from, you know, uh, I mean, not uh, wealth, you yeah. particular, but it's like, you know, like, For yeah, sure. middle class. I'm middle class. I'm a middle class, you know, white kid from Orange County. Yeah. yeah. And I just always, I always remember not like, not about you specifically, but just conversations going around, especially like, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. It's like, what do these dudes even have to be like depressed about or like angry about? It's like, <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's funny <laughs> is you look back on it and you're like, what did we have to bring up? Everybody has... Everybody has issues that they deal with. I mean, sure. for me, I've discovered in the last like couple of years, you know, I've always dealt with like anxiety and depression, uh-huh. um, mainly like anxiety, social anxiety, which is kind of weird getting up on stage. Right. But, you know, there's times like, dude, I didn't want to get out of my van. I didn't want to get on that stage. There's, you know, a few years of like, especially like at our, I think at Bleeding Through's Pinnacle where we mm-hmm. were, well, not necessarily the pinnacle of the band, more like the pinnacle of our music genre where, sure. you know you fart on a record and you're going to sell fucking 20,000 copies and make like a good couple year run. Right. So I was miserable. I was miserable during that time. You probably just felt like you were part of, part of the machine. Over it. I was completely over it. Before that, everything was new. You'd show up and there was the, the element of like surprise, like, Shit, there's only 20 people? Cool. Those 20 people are going to see a fucking epic show. Yeah, like, yeah. Fuck, where'd all these people come from? You know what right, I mean? Right. It was every day was something new, and then it became so routine. Mm-hmm. Like, And then it became like such a numbers game. You know, like people were like, oh, you know, how many people were there? What did you do in merch? What, what this? And it became important. Numbers became important to other people other than the band. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a really hard time dealing with that because I felt like people were trying to take a part of our emotion away from us, of the music, and turn it right. more into like a business of course you know what i mean well yeah and you never see you you i never sought out to be a business right you never it just happened right you know by default the singer of exactly. a band should be exactly so you know what i've realized what i've what i've come to understand in the last couple of years is that i've actually been dealing with being bipolar for probably since i was like you know yeah mid-teens sure but i never acknowledged that because of my old diagnosis which is social anxiety okay and then eventually my therapist, um, I went through a, I went through a, a divorce and, right. and I, I basically made a choice to 
um, really try to figure out what was going on. And there's been a lot of trial and error and a lot of fucking up going on. So, but through the last couple of years, you know, it's been a lot of ups and downs, but I've really tried to make a conscious effort to sack up and figure out what the fuck's wrong with me. So I got really diagnosed and, um, cause there's certain ways that I was like acting where I just didn't understand. Sure. Um, and then I got diagnosed bipolar. So, um, that must have felt like that must have felt kind of liberating in a way. It was it was a very weird weird feeling because uh-huh. I didn't know that I was that, and so sometimes when people say you're this, right, you're like fuck, man, really. Right. But yeah. at the same time, I'm like, well, that makes sense because there's so many times in my life, that, like the last like decade, where I didn't feel like I had like power over myself. Sure, you're in control, right? Fuck. Yeah. So some, you know, it's you know the old school you know, terminology for bipolar is manic depressive. So sure. you're either manic, which you're like fucking, woo, this yeah. is the best fucking day ever. Or you're just like wanting to fucking rip apart everything around you. So right, right. I always just really found myself in the rip apart around everything around you sure. mode. And I think a lot of people met me during that mode. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I realized that and, you know, I've been dealing with that as well. So the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I think obviously a lot of that comes with age and maturity to where you can be like, you can actually look at yourself with with a clearer vision than what you can. I mean, none of us can look at ourselves when we were, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old. Yeah. And like have any sort of clarity on what we were feeling. For sure. Yeah. It's just a, just a bunch of shit going bunch on. Bunch of shit going on. Exactly. So <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, you know, a human and yeah, you know, so, but I mean, dude, some of the most successful people in the world battle with like mental issues and, of course. Yeah, and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're, you're not alone from that perspective, but it's, it's, it's great that you are able to look at something and feel feel like you have some sort of plan. Exactly, that's, exactly. That's where you feel like you're you got to acknowledge it. You can't be in like denial of like what's no. going on because that's just going to make it worse. You're basically right. like an addict at that case. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, that's like you know, it's like you're an alcoholic and you're still denying that you drink. Yeah. Fucking yeah, a Jack every day. Right. Exactly. Oh, I didn't just do that, or I drink like a little. No, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to compensate. Yeah. Uh, but you yourself, you were you were born and raised in Orange County. Yeah. Is that where you? Yeah. Where in particular? Uh, I was born at Hogue Hospital in Newport. Oh, nice. So close to Mesa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you were you were primarily raised by your father. Did you split time with um, your father I and split mother? time between my, my dad and my mom. Like, my, my parents were together until I was about 11, 12, okay. and then they split. And then midway through my teens, my mom moved back to Chicago because that's where her family, like, a lot of our family's from the Midwest and Midwest okay. roots. So she went back there to be closer to her family. Got it. Um, I stayed with my dad, and then, you know, it's kind of... I was all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you lived in a lot of, I mean, you moved around a lot in Orange yeah. County? Okay. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, and the and you're an only child, right? No, I have an older brother. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so as you started to, uh, you know, kind of dive into, you know, high school and your formative years and stuff yeah. like that, how did you get intro to independent music in general? Like, because I mean, you're, because your brother was how many years older? He's eight years older than me. So yeah, so that he would... To be honest, like, I mean, he did give me that intro to music. Okay. I remember like early... The early years, he would, he would always buy me tapes. So he'd buy me like Metallica and like, okay. you know, Ozzy Osbourne. I'm trying to think of other tapes. But then he started like buying me like punk tapes, like okay. the first Suicidal Tendencies record and like Bad Brains. Because this would be like for Christmas or your birthday or something? Totally. Okay. And like, you know, whereas like a lot of people in my family were getting me like Bobby Brown tapes. <laughs> my brother's like, hey, this band's called Black Flag. Right. Check this out. Check this out. This band's called DRI. Check this out. And I just remember as an early age, I really was like enthralled and and, and pulled to like fast music. Right. Like if it was, the faster it was, the more I was like, fuck yeah. I yeah, want to yeah. listen to this. You're you know? like, I get this. Yeah, I get it. So it just spoke to me at an early age. And I think that, uh, you know, I, so I listened to bands like Minor Threat and stuff like that. And you know what I used to do too? Like, I mean, I'm sure like you're the same way. Like when I was younger, mm-hmm. you used to go to independent record stores. Yeah. And to find out about something, you would see like a record or a tape or a CD and it would say like for fans of or sounds like, sure. you know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah. if it sounds like one of the bands you already listened to, you bought it, right. you know? So I started just doing that and started really just like, and was the, I thought it was like really cool to listen to music that my friends didn't know what the fuck was. Oh, sure. Was, you yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean? yeah, you had an edge on it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like, and then I remember the first time I was introduced to, to, um, like straight edge bands was I found a tape in my brother's like tape yeah. box right it was a uniform choice record and 
and uh, screaming for change, and it was like the singer singing with like an X on his hand. I remember asking my brother, like, what's that mean? He's like, oh, it's straight edge. And I'm like, he's like, I mean, there's no drugs, uh, no alcohol, and this and that. And I'm like, okay, well, and you just call yourself straight edge. Right. So I was like, if you know, it was just like new, it was like idea to me. And, right. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. And was, it, was, that, was that all kind of in junior high leading into high school? That was leading into high school. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, remember so he, that- I remember he gave me that uniform choice screaming for change record. And that was the first like time I've ever heard about like straight edge or anything like that. And that was in eighth grade. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, as you as you started to hit in high school, um, you know, because you were at the time you were also completely immersed in baseball, right? Oh yeah. Like you, yeah. I mean, because baseball that was like my life. Right. Yeah. Because it didn't you you kind of you basically chose music. I, over, I chose music over sports. Right. I mean, and that was like what, like junior or senior year of high school? That was my junior year. Okay. Um, I didn't play my senior year. Um, that must have been a huge deal. That was a pretty big deal. I mean, for not only for you to but, admit it to yourself, but exactly. Then... But you know, I started at that time. I started playing guitar for Eighteen Visions, and right. we started playing shows. And I remember just getting on stage for some reason, like, yeah, baseball. The fuck's baseball, <laughs> right? Like, right. You know, it's funny though. You're like, yeah, but the Showcase Theater. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So I remember we played a show with Napalm Death at Showcase Theater, and I was like, this is sick. I don't want, I, you're the, like here's my walking paper oh the, in the next day I had like a baseball tournament I remember just like being like I'm not gonna fucking go yeah that was it and you just didn't and that, that was it that was it you just you like figuratively dropped your glove and just kind of walked away from yeah it. pretty much yeah yeah was your because uh, I, I presume that your your father was pretty invested in your baseball he was career. pretty was, bummed okay yeah. was that, did you guys have a lot of uh fights over that or was he just he like he didn't really support the idea that much but sure. you know later on in life I think he saw that like um that I was doing something with my life yeah you know what I mean so he got really behind he got behind the music just like I was playing baseball still okay I mean the dude has like boxes and boxes and boxes of magazines and everything more stuff that I have as far as like right of bleeding through stuff so it's pretty crazy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um Especially during the time that we obviously were going to shows really heavily, yeah. and that the scene was exploding, there was this weird, you know, delineation where it was like, you can't really be into sports. Like you could maybe secretly be into sports. Yeah, I was definitely secretly into it, but yeah. But like, I just found it so weird, and like to to, I mean, essentially, you're choosing between two passions, and I I think a lot of people that experienced what we did yeah. didn't necessarily do that. They were yeah. just like, I'm not doing anything else. Besides yeah. playing music. Yeah, for sure. And to like to make that choice was hard, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny because like I still play in like I play now right. in like a weekend like wood bat hardball baseball league with okay. my friends and stuff. And I played in the league for like three, like fuck five years now. Right. right. And I mean like Riley, Riley from Bryce plays yeah, on my yeah. baseball team. Sure. Like my men's league team. It's it's pretty cool. It's a collection of a bunch of assholes. But it's, right, it's right, fun. right, right. No, yeah, you still able to scratch that itch. For yeah, not, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fun. And so, like, as as you started to, I mean, because essentially that that the, the independent music scene started to, you know, really hit. Especially, I mean, because you went to, did you go to Newport Harbor? Newport Harbor. Okay, and that was like, you know, kind of ground zero in many capacities yeah. for that whole metalcore scene. Yeah. Um, was it? When did you kind of realize that this was, I guess, expanding? Where it was like, oh, this is bigger than just like our high school. Like, you know. That's what was always interesting to me to watch it, especially as an outsider, because like you know, I didn't go to Newport Harbor. Yeah. Like, I went to Orange Lutheran, and it's yeah. like we were kind of you know, we were always like, oh, like we're kind of a part of the scene, but like we don't sound like any of the bands, and yeah. it's kind of always weird. Totally. But then since you guys were at Ground Zero, it was always kind of really um, you know, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of jealousy there, where it was like all these bands are like literally ten times bigger than we are. You know, it was really weird. Like I think when it, when I started realizing it was like kind of bigger than just at like our high school, is we used to always have like 
high school shows. Right. Because there's a lot of bands that were like from. It's funny because I look back on it, it's like Newport Harbor. Okay. We had bands. There's, there's like, you know, I was in hardcore bands. Other friends were in hardcore bands. There was punk bands at our high school. There was fucking everything. Sure. And then eventually it spawned into like, you know, parts of 18 Visions. Right. Parts of Throwdown. Right. Like parts of Adamantium. Yep. Parts of like, you you know, all the, and eventually bleeding through. And, yep. But we used to have all these like local shows of all of our old bands. And it was funny because it was like, this band called Good Hue that play, that was from Newport Harbor. The singer of Good Hue is Steve Aoki. And it's like, fucking Steve Aoki is right? now like, yeah, yeah. you know. M- millionaire yeah. on his own right in his own, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like probably one of the biggest DJs, if not the biggest in the world right, right. now. So, you know. And he's part of that. He was part of like the whole Newport Harbor, like hardcore scene and all that kind of stuff. And so we started having like these local house shows at friends' houses or garages. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like people from other schools were Uh coming to them, like hardcore kids and punk rock kids and stuff. And then it was other schools and other schools. And eventually we're like having these shows. There was like a hundred kids in a fucking house. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Right. right. You know? And, And I think that's when we started realizing that like, this could be at like a legitimate venue or yeah, maybe yeah. we should like do like real bands, not like start a new band every week, right? You know, yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's why the inception of like Throwdown and Eighteen Vision started happening at that point. Yeah, it was like you know, I met like James and a lot of people from like Huntington Beach mm-hmm. um, from Eighteen Visions, and we kind of Javier and I started playing in Eighteen Visions and playing shows, and Throwdown happened, and it was just sort of like from there. And it was like I was saying, like with that type of music. In that type of time, it was like such an organic local scene that grew in Orange totally. County. Yeah, and I don't think that scene exists anymore. Like the local organic, like you have a hard, I think, yeah, I think I it's agree. such a, a bigger scale now to where if lo- just local bands played somewhere, you're not going to get those like the support. Totally. No, like, yeah. What show are you like? What big show are you playing with? You know? Right. You, so. you definitely, you know, I, it's a really important point. Cause I think, I mean, a lot of times you don't even necessarily know where a band is from. Exactly. Like their members live everywhere. Yeah. Like it's like two dudes live here, two dudes live everywhere. Well, and I think that's, you know, the internet's kind of the reason that. Totally. But back then it's like, none of us had internet. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you weren't, you weren't able to be like pull people in from no, Vegas to play. With no, them. absolutely. So it was like, Hey, like, you probably don't know how to play this instrument, but let's like learn. You know what I mean? Right. One of those things. So, um, so and you you were uh, obviously you're doing guitar in a lot of, of the early bands that you yeah. were playing in. Um, was the uh, but you always felt or you, to me it always seemed like you felt more comfortable singing. Was that not the case? Did you like no, guitar I, better? I actually hated singing at first. Okay. When I would get on stage, it was like this overwhelming like feeling of anxiety. Okay. When, when I was singing, and eventually it would just come out. Yeah. And I think it attributed to like me becoming better on stage, I feel. Okay. Because yeah. I kind of put myself into like a different state of mind. I was about to say, you like, it definitely seems like you could have put yourself into like some sort of like character. Yeah. Like a different and, version of you yourself. You know what? And I think I probably was doing like an alter ego. Sure. Because with guitar, it was like I was in my own bubble. Yeah. Like, I just remember when I was playing guitar, I never really like remembered any of the shows. Right. I was just kind it was of doing my thing and rocking out by myself. So I wasn't really remembering anything. And it's just like one of those weird, weird ordeals. Right. I think with musically, like with, with singing, the only reason I wanted to is because I wanted to like express myself a little bit better. Right. Or diff- not better, but express myself differently. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you would be able to yeah put pen to paper and obviously yeah. have that sort of lyrical representation. Um, like I was mentioning earlier, there, there was a, that, like, 
just because so much attention started to come to the particular the Orange County scene yeah. in general, like the early 2000s, um, it was... It, oh, that's not, sorry. I found it interesting that there was... I mean, I think this happens with most creative outlets where there's, like I was alluding to earlier, that sort of like jealousy slash competition, like this weirdness where it's like, you're obviously all in it together yeah. and there's not that like backstabbingness. Yeah. But there were definitely elements of just like, huh, like we have to be protective over this scene. Like, Dude, there is extreme jealousy. Okay. I mean, if you really look at it, it's like, Orange County produced so many fucking bands. Totally. And they're all, you know what's funny though, you look back, they all came from relatively the same time. Totally. It's like, it's within like a 97 to like 2000 well, time range. Was you like, look at it this way, it's like 18 Visions, yep. Throwdown, yep. Bleeding Through, yep. even Taken. Totally. It's like, you had bands. Event Sevenfold. You had, like, event Sevenfold. You had Atreyu. You had Thrice. You had. Totally. I mean, the list literally goes like. <laughs> yeah. You know, at the tail end of Adamantium, Death by yep. Stereo, like totally. all these fucking bands. Same era. Right. You know what I mean? And so, of course, there was going to be like a little bit of like, well, why not us? Like, totally. why is this happening for this band? And why not us? Like, right. we need that. Right. Was, and, but the thing is, I don't think it, if there wasn't that element of mm-hmm. like, sort of like a jealousy factor. Right. None of those bands would have been successful. Sure. I feel that it was like a lot of the success of that music time frame was driven by jealousy. Mm-hmm. It totally was. I mean, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that. Yeah, yeah. Like, no. I would see things happening, you know, for other bands, and I'd be like, fuck, man. I want we, that. I want that. Right. What can we do to get that? You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's funny because that led all those bands down the path to, like, be successful. But I think at a time, at a certain point, it kind of led, you know, a lot of those bands to like split away and lose touch with the, with each other. You know what I mean? Because totally. like, dude, we were so close with fucking Event Sevenfold for a while, right? And you know, eventually, it's like they went off and did their thing. We were so focused on our thing, and it led to all these bands being so focused that when we were around each other, it was sort of like it's like we weren't even like friends anymore. Yeah, you know what I mean? No, totally. It's kind of a weird thing, but now it's like I see a lot of those people, and it's everything. We're still close right but I think in the heat of like the battle of yeah. like what band is going to be from Orange County that's going to break totally. you know like totally. we're all fucking dead sprint you know what I mean <laughs> and eventually you know Event Sevenfold is it's not even a competition so. <laughs> right 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 yeah if, if there's a winner that is crowned they clearly yeah, yeah they're still doing it there far right but yeah no it, it's, it's funny because I just don't think a lot of people I mean especially due to the age of everybody involved but like a lot of people are either ashamed or afraid to admit that sort of like yeah. weird weird competition that exists where it's yeah. like you can be friendly but then there's that sort of weird pull yeah. that you want something better for, for yourself for sure um, then as you uh, you've always struck me as a person too in regards to the fact that you once you had to start to think about your future outside of the band yeah um, was that terrifying for you? Dude. Like, when you... Because, I mean, you, you started to have to make that transition, like, what, the mid-2000s? In, in regard, like, whatever, 2006, 2007, when it was, like... It was clear that you were unhappy yourself. I'm trying to think... I'm trying to think of, like, the, the moment when that happened. Uh-huh. It was sort of, like, this thing where... I think we were playing in, like, Germany. Okay. And we played a show in front of, like, 20,000 people or something like that. And right. I remember, like, going on stage and playing... In, fucking just giving it our all and I remember like I never really focused on the crowd that much yeah. but for that show I was focusing on the crowd and I remember just seeing like faces like look at us like 
like with the look on their face like why are you like playing like what are you doing I'm just waiting for fucking Bring Me the Horizon like can you get the fuck off the stage right I mean no, nothing against that band because I think that band's great but it's like yeah you put, you can place any band in there that you, they're I, not going to see I straight up said to myself I, you know I got off that stage and I remember looking at our, our tour manager and I said to him he went up said he could tell something was up and he's like what's up and I'm like you know what dude I think I'm done I think I'm done with this I'm gonna go home I'm gonna get into the fitness world. I'm gonna open a gym. Okay. And I said it like right, right to him. Just I'm like I'm yeah. done. This is it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start transitioning. I go home, and uh, you know, I said that, but I didn't automatically go home. And be like, how am I gonna do yeah, this? Yeah, here's I my no, I had no fucking idea how to do that. Right. But I started thinking on that tour because I was so kind of miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, you listen to it, and you're like, if anybody's listening, like, how can you be miserable playing it? It's, I loved doing it, right? But sometimes it just gets really hard yeah. when something that you created that you did not want, that you didn't create to become this like business. Mm-hmm. When it becomes a business and you lose a little bit of like that heart in it, yeah. Where I feel like it just got like sucked out of me. I just lo- I lost it. So yeah, I go home and I'm like, okay, I don't really know just where to start. One of my friends is like, hey, I trained with this guy. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, where do you train at? I want to learn. You know, I want to train. I want to learn. Right. I remember going to his gym and walking in and seeing like a bunch of like professional hockey players. Chester from Lincoln Park was working out at his gym mm-hmm. and just like a couple other people. And I walk in and I'm like, there's like punk music on. And I walk in and I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Like, this is this really feels what I'm home. This, right. is, this is my home after this music career. And I just remember, I put that in the back of my brain. Yeah. I just sucked up as much input, information, learned as much stuff as I possibly could. Right. And, you know, started training people, interning, doing what I had to do. Dogging it, too. Like, you know, Bleeding Through wasn't making a lot of money back then. We barely made enough to, like, pay our bills. Right. But I was up at, you know, when we were home from tour, I was up at 4.30 in the morning, interning with it, with this trainer. Uh-huh. Just learning as much stuff as I possibly could. Right. And then it eventually kind of transitioned to this. Sure, sure. Yeah, you just, you you did, <laughs> I mean, I think it's, the, the one thing that I always love to see is when people are obviously able to take the, uh, all of the applications that they've learned, in yeah. starting bands, putting on shows, whatever, and just like, because I mean, that, that's exactly well, start, what you did. Starting a band back in that, or it's like the wild, wild west of like metal right. metal and hardcore. Yeah. You, you better have been paying attention to how to brand something. Right. Because we all had to brand mm-hmm. everything. Totally. And we had to really push on it. There's no like, you know, of course, like we were in magazines and things were getting marketed, but right. before that was even an option, we had to do it ourselves. You course. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I took that grassroots branding, marketing yeah. kind of ideas and said, why can't I do this with a band? Why can't, or what, a gym? Why can't I build a gym the same way I built a band? Totally. You know, have a, a like, have it be something so everybody can have something like pull something from it mm-hmm. feel welcome within it you know what I mean right and that's what I always want to do it bleeding through is be like listen there's a place here for everybody right in our music whether you listen to this type of music or not yeah. there's some some element that if you really dive into the music you'll find an element that you can relate with and gym wise I think that's what I wanted to do as well mm-hmm. I wanted to create a culture you know I hated going to 24 hour fitness and like LA fitness and stuff yeah yeah I'd rather create a culture where you go into a gym and you listen to cool music and nobody there's judging you. Everybody's there to work out. There's different walks of life. There's 65 year old man with grandfather with white hair working out next to a fucking 
23 year old guy with face tattoos right and then a pregnant chick walking around and then you know what I mean totally but everyone's there for the same reason it's like a good vibe you know right right I guess it's sort of the way that I remember hardcore Mm -hmm. being when I first started going to shows right before it was such like a it became like a set fashion. Oh, totally. Or it became subgenres. Totally. And it, it was like, hey, yeah. there's this kid. He's the like the punk rock kid that goes totally. to hardcore shows. Right. You know, like with you, I remember like I remember you listening to a lot of like punk like punk music. Yeah. Back in the day. Like it was there's all like I knew of everybody by the type of like <laughs> genre of music. subgenre of music that they're into as well. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That's just the way I knew of everybody. So sure. Um. I kind of was like, you know what? I want this to be all encompassing. And so I started thinking about that around like 2008, started educating myself really heavily then. And then when I was home, while all the rest of, I don't know what other people in my band were doing, but I was here. Right. Or not here, but I was. Yeah, you were were trying to, you were were planting the seeds. Exactly. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting what you're talking about, the the, the culture and, like, you know, and experience. Because it's like, you know, you mentioned, obviously, it's like the corporate... Um, you know, the corporate gyms, like obviously 24 hours, yeah. but like that, that's clearly like a whitewashing of the workout experience. For sure. And it's like, there's, you, you go in there because it's a blank canvas and it's like, you can yeah. get whatever you want out of it totally. rather than coming to a place like Rise Above Fitness and being like, like, oh, this is like, this is, you feel like that not only what you put into it, you'll get out of it, yeah. but that will also, that will work just as hard. Yeah, like Rise Above will work just as hard on for you. Sure. If you commit to us, I, we will commit to you. Right. And it's like a mutual understanding. So, right. And I think that's like what I try to do in here as well is like one thing I try to do with like, you know, with the music is I always went out on that stage and I tried to like give it 110%. Yeah. 
And if I felt, I was my worst critic. If I felt like I did not give it 110%, I'd be miserable. Right. You know what I mean? I'd be like, I just yeah, fucking wasted too much times. Right, right. You know what I mean? And not, and not necessarily thinking that, I never went on that stage being like, ugh, I'm going to cash it in. Yeah, yeah. But it was more like, if I didn't feel like I did good enough, I would feel really bad. Like, almost like I wanted to go back on stage and apologize. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's when I had all, like, my fucking freakouts on stage, because I've had some, like, monumental right. freakouts. Right. Where I've had, like, straight-up anxiety attacks and, like, thrown the microphone, like, 40 fucking yards. Right. Out in the know, crowd, right? Out in the crowd, you know? <laughs> you know, I've had those, like, fucking, I call them, like, Danny Filth moments of Cradle of Filth, because he always keep monitors and yeah, yeah, stomp yeah. around, like, a little bit. A little, hit, little like, hissy fits. So, right, right, right. And I've had those moments and I feel the same thing here. Like sometimes I feel like when I work with one of my clients, if I'm not like on how I'm supposed to be, I'm just like, fuck man, I feel like I should apologize, like buying lunch or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. Cause I'm making such a commitment to be here and support this. And like, I just want to be like the best for that person. Right. I guess I just put so much fucking pressure on myself. What, it, what that's sort of like segueing to is that I feel the time that when we came up mm. in the underground music. Yeah. We all put pressure on ourselves, and we all can look at it and be like, look what we laid the foundation. And I hate, I, yeah, I, I won't even like story from even like saying that. No, because it's not arrogance. No, it's, it's not at all. It's we, our generation of hardcore kids, or whatever yeah. you wanted to call us back in the day, right? We're the ones that took it from Coos Cafe, right, to Glass House, of course. Come on. We took it from Coos Cafe right. to House of Blues. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would have fucking thunk it? No. You know, bleeding through, totally. went from playing in front of 10 people at Coos, a floor show, right. to selling out two nights at House of Blues Anaheim. Totally. And what I found, what I, to me, what I also found so special and something that was like, you know, going back to what, you, what we were talking about earlier, like, regards to the jealousy, because it was like, you know, bands that were kind of on, like, were like, because we were all like Taken was always kind of you know on the outside because obviously we weren't heavy we didn't sound yeah. exactly like I mean not saying that you guys all sounded the same but we didn't have a lot of the elements that the other you know the other bands had for sure but you, you had your own sound which was, to, it, and you guys were in the realm to me you guys were in the realm of like a thrice where thrice was just doing their own thing right you know and it, it was it was to me that was that was special because it's like everybody could exist doing their own things all building up to something larger For sure. you know that you're pulling in a person that wouldn't go see Bleeding Through would come see you know Taken and vice versa yeah. a person that would see Bleeding Through would be like that band Taken's awful yeah. but at least you're inspiring that reaction and that's For what sure. I always say where it was like dude regardless of whether you hated it or liked it it was forcing you to make a decision yeah and yeah, it's like, sure. and that, that, that's why people, it's well, like, I kind of feel like now people don't have like a mind of their own. Totally. Like, I don't think they actually make decisions on whether they like a band by actually listening to it. I agree. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's more, it's more of, it's more of like a, it's more of like a fashion. Sure. You know, I hate, it'd be, to, well, I it'd hate be, to say that because well, I know that older hardcore <laughs> guys and punk rock guys and metal guys used to think that about our bands. Of course. Well. Of course. But, I mean, I do kind of feel like. Well, I people think, are afraid to form an opinion about a band sure. based off of the music that they actually play. Sure, you know. I, I think for I, I think for you know to to rebut anybody that could look at because clearly, I mean, what you're doing in bleeding through like catered to an image, catered to a uh, specific aesthetic. Totally. But the um, that was like it was all logical progressions. Like it didn't feel to me, at least on the you know, I mean, not only on the outside, but the, being a part of it as well. 
seeing the, the progression of it, where yeah. it was like each thing kind of was a logical step. It wasn't like all of a sudden this had changed. I mean, even even 18 Visions, obviously, yeah. as they progressed to, you know, being the, the Stone Temple, heavy Stone Temple yeah, pilots towards absolutely. the end, you saw the progression. Totally. As opposed to like, oh, like switching from one record to another where it's like, oh, what are you, what are you doing here? Like, yeah, this band, this band used to be a total beatdown band. Now they sound like Data Remember. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I mean. They're going to give it a shot. I totally. Mean, <laughs> I mean. There's a band, and I don't, you know, I'm not gonna pull punches. They, yeah, yeah, they know okay. they did. Right. There's a band that uh, has been kind of pushed our way a couple times for tours, and in, in certain regards, I've heard two different records, and one came after the next. This band's called The Great Commission. Oh yeah. Okay. So the first record that got, and I'm not saying this band's a bad band. Like, right, they're, right. They're pretty cool. The first record I got was like deathcore-ish, breakdown. Sure. That kind of stuff. Right. That was one tour they tried to get pushed on us. The next tour they tried to get pushed on us, the next record came out, and it straight up sounded like a heavier day to remember. Okay. You know what I mean? Right, right. So it was like... You're like, how much time happened between the records? And like, what happened? And Totally. That's, but that always leads me back to people saying, well, you know, the truth had... When did you, when did you start singing? Like, did you fucking not listen to our other records? Right. There, it was like, it was a percentage thing. You yeah. may have done like 10% here... 20% here. Yeah. Like, it was... It's like, This Is Love, This Is Murders had singing. Right. A lot of it. <laughs> just not good. Right. And I don't think it was memorable to people, so they don't really acknowledge it. Sure. It's a very good the point. The Truth had memorable singing parts. Right. Declaration came out, had about half of the singing parts. Just I just didn't feel like it. It yeah. wasn't in my... I didn't feel like delivering my emotion that way. Right. And then people started complaining that there wasn't enough singing on it. <laughs> you can never please anybody. But no. I find that a lot of bands have tried the shit this didn't work let's try this yeah the or chameleon shit, approach this didn't work yeah. let's try this yeah. sure yeah no it's <laughs> the uh, something I also found interesting like the one or two more things I want to hit on before I left you was the um, the idea that you've always like through every uh, facet of the band's life you've always been open about expressing the, the not only your own personal struggles yeah. but like the struggles that the, a band goes through because people sure. People have a, have, I and mean, when I say people, like your average, whatever, 13 to 16 year old kid has a preconceived notion about what a band is supposed to be like. It's like, oh, it's just fun and good times. Yeah. Like, you know, a tour is awesome. Like, there's nothing bad about it. Oh, yeah. But you've always been so open about that. Um, and has has that ever, have people been like, hey, could you, should, should, you, should you chill out on that? Like, can you, should you be a little more quiet about that? Like, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure, but it's like, there's, there's a lot of, like, harsh realities with touring. I mean, touring was, so fun, but it was rough. You know yeah. what I mean? Back in the days, I mean, I mean, fuck, like, early 18 Visions days, I mean, we were, like, walking into, like, Denny's and, like, eating people's foods off their tables. Right. You know what I mean? Right, there's no... There's no glamour in that. It's, like, <laughs> scraping by to get fucking gas money to the next show. Right. And there's a lot of arguments and a lot of, like, it was fun and it's a great experience. It was, you know, one thing I could look back and be like, dude, out of all the years of tour, it was just such a great experience. I've yeah. learned a lot about myself. It's formative. Absolutely. Right. But I mean, dude, it's like, I've always been candid about, or not, I've always been upfront about like the way that bleeding through is. It's like, dude, we're friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. And I see everybody in bleeding through as like a family member, but it's, it's not like we talk all the time anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Which totally. is kind of like a sad thing. Like we still, when we're still around each other, it's yeah. like, 
dude, it's like we never stop touring, but it's not like we hit each other up on a daily basis to like chat. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? how's it going? Right. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. I think that touring around with somebody that long kind of burns you out on that person for that long because you're literally on top of each other. Yeah. For your life. Totally. So yeah, it's just like a. Do you, it was is there any component of of regret in the way that you? Um, either you know portrayed yourself you put yourself out there i mean obviously at the moment i'm sure See, you were feeling expressing honesty well, sometimes with with bleeding through i mean the only time i the only thing i regret with the, like the way that i reacted on the road with bleeding through is sometimes uh-huh. i was a little bit too like total fucking like general you know oh, what I mean? sure, yeah, yeah. Like I, you felt like you had to kind of keep the train on the track so to speak you yes, were like the, i was okay. a little bit too intense sure sometimes and sure. i think it rubbed my band the wrong way I was maybe a contributing factor of the band not having as much fun. I kept it really right. business. Sure. I guess that's just my nature. I mean, we still had fun, but like, I think I maybe kept things like tight. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just because I think it go, boils, you know, goes into my bipolar. Is part of being bipolar is you need consistency. So if I didn't think things were consistent, run, yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. fucking lose my mind. Right. So like, and then I'd be even more of a nightmare to people. But as far as like letting people know like what went on with bleeding through and stuff like that on the road and in interviews and stuff like that, I have no regrets about that at all. Yeah, it paints a clear. We picture, were what right? we were, right? You know what I mean? And like, when we are what we are, and we we've never been a band that has shied away and tried to keep ourselves like a mystery for people. Right. We've always tried to be very flesh and blood, and I feel that's the reason why we've had like such a long career, is because people know that at our shows we're not going to be hiding somewhere until we go on stage. We'll just be chilling, watching the other bands, and like hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when people come up, like, "Oh my god, like, what are you doing out here?" It's like, dude, it's, I can't hang out for the show. show. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, and we we become really flesh and blood with people, and I think that part of that is, you know, because of that, we've had like such a, like such a, I think a unique career. Right. You know, I feel we've had that a very strong, you know, personal relationship with the people that have supported us. Now, that's also led to the to the some people thinking that they don't need to support us because they're friends with us, kind of. Okay. Or maybe they've talked to us like five times in a row when we've gone there. So the sixth time we go there, they don't go to the show. Like, oh, I could make it, but like, cool guys. Right, right. But oh, they still, But they still like contact us like all the time. You know what I mean? Right. It's almost like they become... They've like, they've over-invested. They need to pull back. Exactly. Okay. That's so, interesting. I never, I've never heard of that train and I think of thought. That's ha- I think that's happened quite a bit with a lot of bands. That's true. Yeah, because you because the, the there's definitely an argument, especially in this day and age of touring, where it's like scarcity is a good thing. If you're not going through Birmingham, Alabama for the third time this year, that's probably a good thing, you know. It's, and like that, yeah. there there is that element of like, oh, we, we're going to see Ron in this city every time, yeah. and this time when he's gone, you feel like you're like, what's happening, dude? It's like a piece of you is missing, right? You meet people that are like, look, there's the reason why I fucking right, I exist, yeah, yeah. Oh. right. You know, I was in Afghanistan and I was blowing shit up listening to Bleeding Through and I came home and I fucked my wife to Bleeding Through and we have a kid now <laughs> and fucking you know right. guys, the most you, extreme you, you example, the most yeah. extreme fucking story of how your band like, you know played a role in their life and then all of a sudden you don't see them at the shows anymore like, like fuck man like what did we do right right and it's just because I feel like they feel like they over invested yeah in yeah people. no that's really interesting I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that, that, that we hit on that topic um, there's two last things. The one, like going back to you know your the the intensity of using an individual. I always really um, like. I remember when there was weirdness between us. There yeah. was a tension between us, and it was. Uh, it, at, at, I am the most non-confrontational person. I am like a complete. 
I wouldn't even say passive aggressive. Probably at the time I was more passive aggressive yeah. than like now I'm recognizing it. But I remember like when we sat down in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Where you you're like, right, let's talk. And I just had there. my surgery like, a couple days before too on my face. To- totally. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. I, I and it was funny because when we got on that tour, I didn't even expect that you guys were ever going to join up again. It was like we had two weeks before uh, Hellfest or whatever, and you guys were going to be completely. You know, you guys weren't going to take part of that. Yeah. And so then I remember, yeah, I, it was honestly legitimately one of the only times I've like had that sort of like sit down moment with a person where it's like, okay, let's talk about our problems. Yeah. Like outside the context of like a family member. For sure. And it was one of those things where it's like, I walked away from it being like, I felt good about like putting it out on the table. For sure. And it, it was one of those things where I'm sure you did, you've done that with other people and they've gone the opposite direction. Where oh, just absolutely. Like, See, people, well, people the thing is, it. is like I always, I always looked at like our Orange County like community and our scene as like a family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's always weirdness. I mean, I used to have weirdness with Alex from a trade. Sure. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. And you know that got squashed because we showed up in Europe once and we're like, well, who are we playing these shows with? A tray? You? Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> like I was yeah, like, yeah. are you? Wait, you're joking, <laughs> right? You're like, out so of we got you know forced in the right? fucking Chemnitz, Germany. Bleeding through and a tray, you yeah. show up at the same venue, and we're both just like looked at each other and we're like, oh, well, let's talk. Yeah, let's have you a know? right. Let's have let's, a let's, let's hang out right quick. So I mean, yeah, it was. But I'm sure. I, I'm sure. Like I said, it went the opposite direction where people reacted negatively to you being kind of that sort of like. Again, I kind of want to take control of the situation. Yeah, for like, sure. Not in and not in like a alpha male way, but yeah. like in a. I, I feel like this needs to be established. We kind of had this, we had this weird mindset for a few years. And I think that's when we had like issues with like certain bands Yeah. where we believe you had this like mentality where we were just like, we were, like I said, like the way that I kept things were so like military like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we almost were just like, so like not give a shit about sure. stuff. And if we had issues with people, we would just like tell talk them, about yeah. this, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And we just, we were like that for a couple couple years. And looking back on it, we were like, okay, well, we were young. Yeah, well, you of know? course. Yeah, you can totally chalk that up to yeah, like the youthful sure. exuberance. And everything, every day was a new experience. It's really hard for like these fucking bands to go on the road and have like these new experiences. I remember like every day I'd get a call from somebody or hear this from somebody. If something new <laughs> that happening of like a step in like a different, of like, a bigger direction for everybody. Uh-huh. I think that's kind of just like, it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because the, now the ceiling has been moved so high to where it's like, you, yeah, of course you can legitimately start a band and of course you can play like, you know, yeah. the Irvine Meadows Amphitheater or whatever exactly. or, or across the country. Right. The last thing I want to hit on was in regards to the gym. There, um, there's obviously the, a connotation in regards to, you know, working out, CrossFit, like the whole you know, uh, testosterone, alpha male, like that whole, the, the perception of that. For sure. Um, is it, is it one of those things that you are concerned about that? Cause obviously the way that that rise above is, is marketed, um, is obviously is aggressive by nature just because that's yeah. kind of, you know, that's the culture that you want to create. Is it, are you worried about that either turning off some people or being like, well, no, if that is turning off those people, they know that they kind of shouldn't come here and not being a disrespectful yeah, way. No, but no, I've heard this. I've heard that as well, as far as like people saying that, like maybe, um, the image here and sort of like the new way of like the new gym culture, right. I like to call it. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. more gritty gyms like this, um, with the, with the explosion of CrossFit, it's more just like more raw. Yeah. 
I think it turns people off, but I've actually sort of felt like it also makes... How am I going to say this without sounding like a complete fucking... <laughs> well, we can, we can explore this together. Um, I think what... Cro- okay, because I'm not a CrossFit gym, but there's no, a lot of CrossFit gyms. Tons. But to me, CrossFit are like filled with people that used to make fun of me because I used to work out so much, but now they got into it because it was more of like a... A cultural... Cult, yeah, like culturally. A scene, yeah. you know, type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the guys that used to try to fight me in high school for being straight edge, and then all of a sudden a couple years later were like... When straight edge was more acceptable, uh-huh. they were straight edge going to shows, right, sort right, of thing. Right. That's kind of what I liken it to, and it's okay. And I, but I sort of think that. So, I mean, that's not a way. I'm not bashing it. Yeah, not yeah, bashing yeah. CrossFit, whatever. Right. But what I'm thinking is that yes, this is intense, and 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 I think that the whole fitness industry has just gotten more and more and more intense. Right. I don't necessarily think it, it might scare some people, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where you're just like. It's like Fight Club. It's like you're kind of curious. I kind of want to get into this, right? You know right. what I mean? Like totally. I kind of want to feel. I want to pull like my inner badass out and fucking try to get into this, right? Right. right and right. what I found is like, you know, a mom will come in here, right? Forty three. Let's say say hypothetical. Of course. Forty three year old mom has a twelve year old, a seven year old, and, and a fucking five year old. Yeah. Okay. They walk in here, and at first. When I was new to this kind of scene in this gym, I was kind of nervous. Like, am I going to walk her through to go see the gym? She's like, ooh, I don't really like yeah, this. Yeah, right. But now it's like I see that person. I'm like, she's going to find a place in this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I walk her through and I'd be like, this is the gym. It's pretty gritty. But, you know, we get after it and, like, you right. get great workouts. Everybody's really supportive. And you see that person go from, like, gripping onto their purse in front of their chest. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't know. To be like, all yeah. right. Cool. I can see. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't think it really... It might be on a, on like at first glance very intimidating for people, but I kind of feel like everybody kind of wants sure. everybody kind of wants to say they train at a place like this. Right. Yeah. You know there's I mean? there's a, yeah there's an element there's an element of curiosity, and if a person is willing to explore that, yeah, and want to challenge themselves, then yeah. like that's why and it's the, there. And for me, it's like the people that aren't into it, the people right. that want to go to Equinox, like and spend all, like a ton of money on just like really fancy equipment and yeah feel like a very sterile environment and that's fine you're just not our demographic so right it's basically like it's kind of like punk rock versus like yeah a pop band like, or whatever. like top 40 yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just gonna right. it just is what it is we, we know we know who we're going to kind of appeal to yeah. immediately and then hopefully we'll bring it bring in other people as they go it's yeah. the same thing as yeah. bands. and that's it's you know what's funny is i talk about it all the time the, yeah. the, the parallels between music and fitness it's like the industries are so similar. Yeah. And if you could dive into that whole like issue, the whole thing of like of the two and how they're so eerily similar as sure. far as like the scene and mentality wise and right. wanting to fit into this, the way that people market themselves, like the whole influx of like, you know, the explosion of like Instagram and everyone on Instagram thinks they're a fucking trainer and thinks right. that they have because, because they could pose half naked and have like 200,000 followers that should be, they should be giving fitness advice and like people are like oh my god you're my hero because I see your ass crack on the internet of course it's kind of the same as like when I heard about Job for a Cowboy because of how many followers they had on MySpace right totally same thing right so they need they need to like there's there's an air of legitimacy that needs to be in place before <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> before something else actually happens yeah. so 
you know, and, and what's going to happen with the, with the fitness industry, which is the same what's happening in the music industry, it's going to get completely oversaturated. Of course. And, you know, the things that have been constant and like legitimate are going to stick around. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, well, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm glad that we did this, Brandon. Yeah, <laughs> Thank it. you. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. There is Brandon. Intense individual, right? This was one of the first interviews where I was... Uh, I don't know if I would say intimidated because Brandon, I've had on my list to interview for a long, long time. Just needed a kind of a time and a place. And because, you know, like I said in the interview, we had history. I was, uh, we've obviously grown past that because we're grown ass men. But it was one of those things where I was like, I don't, I, you know, hopefully we're cool. (laughs) And we totally were. And it was great. But uh, yeah, this was one of the few interviews where I carried uh, baggage into uh, from the perspective of you know, having, having a previous history with a person that, uh, I wasn't a hundred percent sure was, uh, was past us. So anyways, check out rise above fitness, orange County. You'll be able to see Brandon's endeavors in that regard. And, uh, yeah, visit hundredwordspodcast.com, visit propertyexact.com. Our producer, show best friend, awesome dude all around as always is Tom Richfield. And until next week, which I'm on vacation right now, Woo-hoo. until next week, be safe everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.